0: We're talking about because God is good, I can learn to relax, all right? Let's see kind of where you are. Let me just ask you, no cheating. You don't necessarily have to raise your hands. You can just think inside, but if you want to, along with me, you can, all right? Are you always in a hurry? Yeah. Is your to-do list unrealistically long? Do you use days off to catch up on your unfinished work? Has more than one person sitting next to you told you to slow down lately? Do you feel guilty when you relax? Do you have to get sick to get time off or to take time off? Some of you. The fact is to God that rest is as important as work. Some of us think that we can only please God when we're running around Doing all this stuff for him. But did you know that God smiles on you when you sleep? They did a study not too long ago that said that we actually, as Americans, get two hours less sleep than Americans did 50 years ago every single night. Two hours less in a night. And and so we wonder why we're tired, you know? God smiles on us. I want you to think, if you've got little children and you see them sleeping and moms, you know, you see that little one sleeping, you're smiling because it's the only time they're really good, right? But just, doesn't it just make you want to smile when you see them? They're just so restful and and, and peaceful and and God smiles on us like that. Now, every once in a while, there's a sermon that I preach that speaks, this one is really for me. Uh, And I hope you get something out of it, but if you just need to take a nap, go ahead and do that, all right? Because this one is for me. If you're going to take a nap and you want to lay your head on the person's shoulder next to you, you can, well, you might ask them first before you do that, but I'll wake you up at the end, all right? But this one is for me because I really need this. We're looking at Psalm 23 and we're seeing how a good shepherd takes care of his sheep and it's how God takes care of of us, if we really knew how good God is and his plans toward us, we would be able to relax. So I want us to look at Psalm 23. Pull out your sermon notes. They're right in the middle of your worship folder there. I've got, given you some blanks to fill in. The Bible says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So I have everything that I need. Do you believe that? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Would you just circle makes me? Circle makes me. Has God ever had to make you lie down? Has he ever had to make you rest? The truth is to give God my best requires rest. The difference between being blessed and being stressed a lot of times is simply rest I didn't even realize I was a poet till I got that one down right the difference between being stressed and being blessed is often rest I I think of my little granddaughter Zoe with her little curly red fiery red hair you know and and it's got curls everywhere and and um, it's funny because when she comes to our house and it's time to go to sleep she's going to spend the night she just has the hardest time going to sleep I mean, she'll lay there in bed, and then, you know, you're there, kind of there laying beside her, waiting for her to fall asleep. And um, all of a sudden, she'll just lift her arm up or lift her leg up. You know what she's doing? She's trying not to fall asleep. You know, she'll try to figure out. She just tries to do stuff, you know. And and not being able to rest is a sign of immaturity. Some of us, we think that, oh, yeah, we like to say we're workaholics and this and that and that. But that's a sign of immaturity. So let's look at what we're to do. Jesus, many, many times in the scriptures, we see him resting. In fact, seven times in a three and a half year ministry, we see that he would advance and then kind of take a rest. And then he would move and take a rest. He had these rhythms that, that, that he did. And, and so how do we relax into... God's goodness. The Bible is God's prescription book for us. And so let's look at the issues and I wrote down the antidotes there for you in your sermon notes to each of these issues, okay? The first issue that I see is misplaced identity. It's basing my worth on my work. Basing my worth on my work. We fall into this all the time. We, one of the reasons people can't relax is because they confuse their work with their worth. If I'm successful at work, then I'm valuable. If I do, if I produce, then I'm valuable. If I don't, I'm not. You know, in America today, when we come in and someone says, who are you? The vast majority of the time you'll say, I am, and it's maybe your career. You know, when people ask me, who are you? I say, I'm pastor at Community of Faith, but is that who I am, or is that what I do? You see, we, we can confuse those so easily and, and it's hard sometimes to, to not have them confused. And because we have put so much worth in success and, and, and things in America, people think that the more successful you are, the smarter you are, the more you know. It's not necessarily true at all. I mean, I'm the same person that was speaking to Travis Church between Lot and Rosebud, all those many years ago, and there was like 15 people all over the age of 80. After they fell asleep, I could preach amazing sermons, you know, and um, you know, and I took that church from eight to about four, but I think they died, but it was, but sometimes people, you know, I called the other day, I've been calling the the first time guests, in fact, yesterday in the morning, I called and I was calling the people that had come for the first time because I want to know you guys and, 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 and get to know you. So I'll say, I'm out in the lobby. Come look me up and hanging out out there. But I called one lady yesterday morning and I said, hi, this is Mark Shook, the pastor at Community of Faith. And she goes, no, you aren't and hung up. <laughs> now, if you're here this morning, it's all right. It really was me. I called back. She didn't answer. So I left a message. She said, No, no, it's really me. It's me. But we have this thing, we, we kind of do this celebrity thing, right? I am exactly like you. We're all the same. We are. And, and let's don't do this celebrity syndrome thing at Community of Faith, you know? We have this tendency in the United States to do that. We like to get people up on a little bit of a pedestal, but then we also delight in kind of pulling them off, don't we? I mean, that's what some of those, like People Magazine and all those other things, you know, let's read about what's going on with Brad and Angelina. You know, it's like... I I really saw how bad this celebrity syndrome can get a few years ago when my brother Kerry out at Woodlands Church, he had Stephen Baldwin come out to speak. Now, Stephen Baldwin, one of the Baldwin brothers, he's an actor, don't know who he is. I always think of him, sorry Stephen, but kind of like as a C actor, you know, a B or a C. Anyway, he's out there and... Afterwards, Carrie's executive pastor, Randy, was going to take him to lunch. So they went to Cheesecake Factory. And right before they walked in, he and Stephen are just talking like normal people. And Stephen goes, oh, I hate going into these restaurants. And Randy goes, why? He goes, the women. They just throw themselves at me. And, Stephen, and Randy's looking at Stephen Baldwin going, like, I think you're delusional, dude. You know, this is the woodlands. And so they go into the Cheesecake Factory and they sit down. And Randy said, it was crazy. The women in the woodlands went nuts. He didn't even know. I mean, they were like jumping in Stephen's lap, taking selfies in the Cheesecake Factory. He said it was like the craziest thing. Stephen Baldwin wasn't lying, you know. And and we get this celebrity thing going, and, and, and it's just, it's crazy. We're all the same. And in God's eyes, we're exactly the same. And it's not about... What we do, that doesn't matter to God. It's not about that. And so, what's God's antidote to all of this? Some of you, you're working. I talked to a guy a few years back, and he was just, he was so successful, but he couldn't slow down. And he said, My dad, when I was a teenager, he told me, You're a bum, and you will always be a bum. Can you imagine? And he said, I I just played that, and so I'm proving to my dad that I'm somebody. And I said, well, what does he think? He said, he's been dead 15 years. But he's still playing that tape. And see, some of us were on this treadmill because we're thinking, I gotta show that I'm worth something. I gotta show that I'm worth something. I gotta show that I'm worth something. And God's going, you're worth something. You already are. So the antidote is to remember my value To God, that's the starting point for getting a a sane schedule. Remember my value, my worth to God. The heavenly father created you. And he never creates without purpose. He made you. Now some of you are going like, you know, no, no. I mean what happened was, I was kind of an accident. Mom and dad, you know, they weren't weren't married. And they just, I don't know, kind of a... I don't know what happened, but it was a good movie or something, you know? And let me just tell you something. There are no accidental babies. Now, there are lots of accidental parents, right? But there are no accidental babies. Because God always, he created you. He knew it was 23 chromosomes from your daddy. 23 from your mom. You wondered, why did God give me that guy for a dad? Because he needed those 23 chromosomes to make you you and he wanted you he loves you he created you Jesus died for you the Bible seems to indicate if you were the only one in the whole world he still would have done that for you to open a way to come to God the Holy Spirit if you're a believer if you stepped into that relationship through what Christ did on the cross for you lives in you he lives inside of you You'll never be more valuable to God than you are right now. You say, well, Mark, you don't know. I just, I'm a total failure. I am flat on my face. You'll never be more valuable to God than you are right now because your value is not based on what you do. See, some of you thought that God had you on this performance-based kind of thing because you grew up in a house like that. He doesn't do that. He's the perfect shepherd. He's the perfect father. He says, I love you, little daughter, right now. I couldn't love you anymore, ever, no matter what you do. I love you. I love you, little son, right now. Do you feel it? Do you know it? Look what the Bible says. God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of everything God has created. Do you realize you're more important to God than the moon? You're more important to God than the sun. You're more important to God than the whole Milky Way all put together. You. It makes me think of the Batwa people that we're walking in friendship and business with in Burundi. Those people that have been so discriminated against used to be called the pygmies, the little ones. They're dwelling was in the forests of Burundi and Rwanda and it's the same place where the silverback gorillas live. And people came in with machine guns and machetes and killed the batwa and chased them out so they could protect the silverback gorillas and put them on this terrible piece of property that we found them on. And I'm just telling you something, the batwa felt like they were worthless. They're not even worth the life of an animal. And when I first met them, all those many years ago, and I talked to the chief, he said, I said, what's your name? He said, my name is no name. My parents said, you're Batwa, you don't need a name, you're never gonna amount to anything, you're not gonna make a difference in the world. Only two out of 10 of their kids lived to be five years old. And when we met them, and they were on this horrible, dry piece of land, made like $100 a year per family. And then we began, as community of faith, to walk in friendship with them and then walk in business with them and we've seen things turn around like crazy and the, with the 10, 12,000 Batwa that we're working with in the last several years only one child has died out of all of that where they used to lose almost all of them I mean there's a lot of kids now in fact so many so that, that a few years ago we put a, a gal in, in, in charge of helping them kind of know how to slow that down a little bit you know but she got pregnant, so it didn't work out. <laughs> but, but it's kind of this amazing thing that God is doing among them, and we're seeing this. And, and now they've begun, with their little businesses, have begun to grow and prosper, and they're hiring the Hutus and the Tutsis, the other tribes around them. I remember when I first met Chief No-Name, and he said, God has forgotten us. The world has forgotten us. And I said, I want you to know that God hasn't forgotten you. In fact, the Bible says, look at this verse. He's inscribed you on the palms of his hands. He, he, he looks at his hands and he sees you. What's it talking about? That, that's in Isaiah, but it's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with Christ, right? As those nails are driven into his hands, it's for you for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What's the joy? It's like a woman in childbirth. The joy is the baby, not the pain. And he saw you. The only scars in heaven, I mean, when we, we get a new body in heaven, the only one that's going to have scars in heaven is Jesus, the scars that he bore for us. I mean, ladies, no stretch marks, no frown lines. You're ready to go to heaven right now, right? Let's go. his scars will still be there because they'll remind us of how much he loves us. And I said, God hasn't forgotten you and there's a church in Cyprus, Texas that won't forget you either. And I still remember on their land that they have transformed and flowing with wells and all the things the government has given them, this land, you've built wells on it. We've also transferred some of them onto this beautiful piece of property that they bought with a loan that you gave them, $350,000 loan, and I thought, $100 a year, a family, that'll take 1,500 years, they'll pay us back. They've already paid it back. Five years they paid it back. Can you believe that? And the first little baby born, you know what they named her? Iribuka, it means in Kurundi, God remembers. They didn't ever forget what I said. God remembers, he remembers. He remembers. You need to just maybe know that. God remembers you. He knows your name. He hasn't forgotten you. You're valuable to him. I want you just to close your eyes for a minute right now. And we've had hundreds of people pray for this already for you. Take a deep breath, just in and out. And just in your mind, say, Father, help me to feel loved by you right now. Help me to feel loved by you. Say, Jesus, help me to feel how valuable I am to you, even in this moment. Say, Spirit of God, help me to know how important I am and feel it, how important I am to you right now. God, would you just humble yourself and just even give us that feeling. I know we don't depend on feelings but some of us here this morning we just need to feel it would you just let us feel your love for us in this moment in Jesus name amen look back up he loves you he really loves you right now quit get off off that hamster wheel of performance for him it's not about that he doesn't need you he just loves you he doesn't have to have you work for him he just loves you and so what we get to do is we get to say God let me just get to watch you in action and have a front row seat to what you're doing and it's amazing as he begins to just do it let me talk about another problem materialism big problem in Cyprus Waller even Hockley right always wanting more things Listen to what the Bible says. Do not wear yourself out trying to get rich. Have the wisdom to show some restraint. Your money can be gone in a flash as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. It's been my observation, having counseled thousands of people down through the years, that a lot of us spend the first half of our lives sacrificing our health to get wealth. And then it seems like we spend the last half of our lives, spending our wealth to try to get our health back, have you noticed that? And it just seems like this crazy Cypress syndrome, God's antidote, enjoy what I already have, write that down, enjoy what I already have. Paul says, the apostle Paul who wrote much of the New Testament says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm well fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I've learned, I've learned. Did you know that contentment is not a natural human state? It just isn't. We come out of the womb not content, discontent. And to learn contentment is a process. It's a learned process. Thing. The Cypress Syndrome I've seen this desire to acquire And it begins to consume us And then we acquire these things Especially I see it with you know our houses Sometimes we overreach and, and then to pay the mortgage We have to hustle and work And never get to be together with our family And then the family crumbles And you have the beautiful house And no family inside of it And it just seems like this never-ending quest for more and more and more. The wisest man who ever lived in Ecclesiastes said this, a little food eaten in peace is better than having twice as much earned from overwork and chasing the wind. You know, I've had the awesome responsibility, the awesome privilege of being with literally hundreds of people down through the years as they took their last breath. And, and to be there, it's like a, it's a holy moment. But you know, can I just tell you, I've never had anyone laying on their deathbed, getting ready to take their last breath and say, Mark, if you could just go in the other room and bring me my investment portfolio, I would like to look at that one last time. Never had that. Never had anyone go... Mark, could you bring me my bowling trophy? I'd like to hold it as I die. No. You know, never had anybody go, could you go pull off the wall my diploma from Texas A&M? Boop. <laughs> never had that. Never will. <laughs> but here's the thing people say would you get my kids around me what about my grandkids is everybody here that's what matters that's what counts and when we get down to it we have to realize that we have to to know that another problem is burnout what's God's antidote to burnout this one's gonna hit all of us I think limit my work to six days a week limit my work to six days a week. You say, you're kidding me, I, how, how, how am I gonna do that? If you don't do that, this is to me. This is where the sermon hits me because lately I feel like I've been you know, burning the candle at both ends, working seven days a week, trying to get some things accomplished and put together and God's going, whoa, 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 you're forgetting one of my big 10, right? That's one of the big 10, that's one of the 10 commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, right? say, well, I wouldn't murder anyone. I'm not planning on committing adultery. But how are you doing on the Sabbath part? Sabbath, it it simply means day of rest. It's not like an option. Listen to Exodus chapter 20. You have six days in which to do your work. But the seventh day is to be a day of complete rest dedicated to me. They called it the Sabbath. Day of rest, literally. Did you know that if you work more than seven days in a row that some of the studies have shown that your heart begins to beat differently? God already knew that. God already knew that it wasn't good for us. Back in in the day, in the... Uh, The French Revolution, 1789, I think it was, they declared no holy days. And so they worked seven days a week and they had to pull back from that within just a few years because the health of the whole nation plummeted off a cliff. God knows what he's talking about. Now my Sabbath is not Saturday or Sunday. Um, Today may be yours because... That's you're here at church I would think that maybe this is what you're calling your Sabbath mine's Monday because that's the best day that I can I had a pastor acquaintance friend that um, he took Mondays off and one lady was upset in the church at him and said I tried to call you all day Monday and you didn't answer he goes well Mondays my Sabbath my day of rest and she said well the devil doesn't take a day off (laughs) it was a pretty good point right He didn't say, no, you were working. No, he didn't say that. He said, he said, if I didn't take Mondays off, I'd probably be mean as the devil. So you don't want me to not do that. I don't want to be the devil, right? Here's the thing. All of us, we need to take that time. What do you do on the Sabbath? What, what does that mean? Well, one thing, we rest our bodies. Are you going to rest today? Are you already got, and, and maybe rest is recreation, but I'm not talking about some super competitive kind of thing because, you know. Some of you, you know, your your kid playing soccer is not necessarily a Sabbath for you, right? Especially if you get mad at the coach or, or the other coach or the other kids and run out and tackle them on the field or whatever, you know. It, it, it's what is it for you that rejuvenates you? Rest your body. The second thing, you recharge your emotions. Maybe you need to disconnect. Man, that's hard to do, isn't it? To disconnect? You're going, man, you're you're getting kind of... Kind of crazy here off the wall, Mark, now, you know? But sometimes we need to, maybe it's even for just a couple of hours. Just disconnect from everything. What about your spirit? Refocus your spirit. That's what worship does. That's why you're here. I was watching some of you during the time while we were singing those prayers out to God and you just really were refocusing your spirit. It's so important that we do that. You know, just taking a nap is not gonna do that for your emotions. Or your spirit. That's why God says to take some time. You know who this is especially important for? Entrepreneurs or people that own their own companies. If you're here and that's you. It's so hard, isn't it? It's hard for a pastor to take time. The senior pastor especially. Or the founding pastor to to take time. and, and, And not think about what's going on. It's the same when you start a company. It's hard not to think about it. All right heard about a, a, the other day a, about a guy who came home every night he brought home his briefcase and at supper with his family they would eat supper together because he was. but he'd have his briefcase open and he would be eating and working on stuff and finally his little girl in elementary said daddy why do you always what do what you do and he said it's the work that I can't finish during the day I bring it home at night and I try to finish it up and she said, well, my little friend Janie had that trouble at school, so they put her in a slower class. Maybe. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Maybe. <laughs> Proverbs 14.30 says, a relaxed attitude lengthens your life. Envy rots it away. You're actually going to live longer. You'll probably get more Accomplished by resting. Another problem, and we've kind of hit on this one already, but I want to reemphasize, valuing achievement over relationships. Valuing achievement over relationships. God did not put you here on earth to finish your to-do list or to tick things off. He put you here to learn how to love. He says it over and over in Scripture. Someone came to Jesus and said, what's the big one, the big commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what Jesus said. So he's saying, do you love me? Do you love Jesus? Do you love those around you? Do you make a difference in the lives of those that are less fortunate? Do you care? What about your neighbor down the street? What about just even those within your own house? When you get to heaven, God isn't gonna say, Well, now tell me about those those amazing goals you had and how you just checked each one of them off and scratched through them. It feels so good for some of us, doesn't it? To scratch through our to do list. When we get to heaven, he's going to say, Tell me about your relationships. Did you love well? So, how do we deal with that? I adjust my values. Write that down. I adjust my values. Adjust my values. We've got to get God's values. What he values, we need to value. Another is insecurity, a problem. When I'm afraid I won't have enough. An author was sitting at a dinner table with a guy that was, in my mind, fabulously wealthy. Tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. And he said, how are you going to know when what's enough? How much is enough? And he said, I think about 30 million more. What the author said was, what this guy didn't realize, I'd been with people that had already gotten there and they said 50 million more. And then I'd been with people that were there and they said 100 million. It never was enough. It's never gonna be enough. So what do you do? And this is the last thing I want you to see. Exchange my restlessness for God's peace. Exchange my restlessness for God's peace. The Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Listen to how Jesus said it. Imagine Jesus standing up and and, and speaking directly to you. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And you know that you're worth so much more than the birds. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about anything else? Look at the beauty of the wildflowers in the field. They don't worry or overwork, but God takes care of them. So you can be sure that he will clothe you too. God cares for birds. I want to challenge you to start working, planning Sabbath. Okay? You say, well, that seems like a, uh, that doesn't sound right, working to plans. But I want you to work to plan rest and then take it, okay? Jesus said this, are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So remember my value to God. Enjoy what I already have. Limit my work to six days a week. Adjust my values. Exchange my restlessness for God's peace. If you look down, it spells relax. I wanted to put you a little thing there so you could remember Just a little remembrance, relax, relax.